Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Worth It podcast. Our leadership gurus, Ryan Dyer and Andy Dorsey, will talk about their tips for maximizing leadership potential, faith, and family, all while raising awareness and funds for children with hearing impairments. All right, everybody, thanks for uh, tuning in to another episode of the Worth It podcast. Today on the show, we have a, uh, a big-time guest, Coach Josh Pastner of uh, Georgia Tech men's basketball head coach. Uh, of course, everybody knows I love Georgia Tech, so it's a, a special day for me and just really excited to have him uh, on the show with us. Uh, coach has been uh, won a national championship as a player, uh, coached at Memphis under John Calipari, was the head coach at Memphis, uh, head coach at Georgia Tech. We'll dive into a lot of his uh, his uh, accomplishments along the way, but uh, Coach, you doing okay? Doing well. It's a, um, a busy time, a total change of uh, the landscape in college athletics. It'll be interesting to see if it trickles down into high school eventually, uh, how that goes. I'm sure it has a little bit, but a real um, uh, interesting time in the world of college athletics. And, uh, um, and, and I'm in right in the, in, the, in the heat of it when you're dealing with the transfer portal, recruiting, um, the NIL, and everything in between with that. Um, and I haven't even talked about strategic X's and O's, you know, you don't, because of all the other stuff, you don't have time to even um, uh, focus on that. So uh, it's been just a, it's been a whirlwind. I love my job. I love what I do. I've got a great passion for it. Um, and what I would tell you is a, it's a, as I mentioned about the interesting time period, but you don't have time to complain. You don't have time to, to, you know, to sit back and say, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? Because right now that train and that, or that caravan has left the station and it is not going back. And so you've got to be flexible, be, a, be able to adjust and, and, and keep up with it. Otherwise you are going to get left behind and you won't have an opportunity. Uh, you'll be just left in the dust in a sense. So I think it's really important to really be able to, uh, um, adjust on the on the on the fly. Be very flexible, and and be able to have that type of mentality as things are moving fast, pretty much every day. Yeah, absolutely, and I, you know, I, we can't thank you enough for being on here and and helping the coaches and any leaders that are listening. We've been very blessed and and raising money for kids with uh, with hearing aids, and it's just been awesome. So tell us a little bit about your coaching journey. Anything about your family that you uh, you want to mention? Yeah, no, listen, I, I, my coaching journey has been a, a tremendous journey. I've loved every second of it. I remember when I was in fifth grade, uh, I was watching the Lakers and the Celtics play on a national network. And I remember turning to my dad and saying, Dad, if, if I can't coach and if I can't play in the NBA, my, I want to stay involved in the game. And I said, the next best thing to playing is coaching. And uh, ever since then, I have really put my energies and focus towards coaching. Yes, I wanted to play in the NBA, and I worked my tail off and did, a, did the best I could and worked as hard as I could and was in the gym all the time. But, you know, sometimes there just becomes a limit, that, as we all know, that, that, you know, you're just athletically and everything else, you're just not able to get over that hump. And, and then when I went to Arizona, um, um, what I did actually before I even got there, I wrote a letter to every single Division I, Division II, and Division Three and NAIA schools in America over a thousand, not just letters, not form letters, but personal handwritten letters I sent to everybody in the, in the, in the, in the country. 
because I, I was a good high school player, but I wanted to continue to, to, to continue my career at college as a player. And I said, but I could, but I, I knew I wanted a coach and I was telling everyone, look, bring me on. I can work the guys out. I can um, watch film with the guys and it won't count against the NCAA rules, the time limit. And uh, really one of the only schools to respond to me when they read my letter was at the, actually was Lute Olson from the University of Arizona. And he said, this is, this is, and I told him I'd be a positive influence in the letter and all this stuff. And he liked everything about it and invited me to the team. Of course, when I go there, I'm thinking that, um, that, you know, I'm still going to be, cause I work, you know, like I said, I worked as hard as anybody. I, I'm not going there, you know, in your mind, you're going to be a player. I was going to be like Steve Kerr, this great shooter. And, and all of a sudden you, you get there and you're playing against those guys at first day in pickup games. And you're like, okay, I, there's, there's a, there's a difference between, okay, Michael Bibby, Jason Terry, Michael Dickerson, Miles Simon. I mean, you know, you're dealing with those guys who end up being pros and you're just, you're just not there at all. And um, uh, so it was a rude awakening, but, um, but I was there in my freshman year, we won the national championship in 1997. I still say I'm the leading rebounder in the history of the university of Arizona because I was in the gym seven nights a week rebounding for those guys all the time. And not only my freshman year, my sophomore year, the entire time I was there at university of Arizona. And in fact, every time Steve Kerr, this is when he was playing with the Chicago bulls, um, and, and he was playing, you know, he was there with Michael Jordan time and all that. And he would come back in the summer and he's obviously now the coach of the Golden State Warriors. And, uh, and I would actually rebound for him at night when he would come in the summer and, and getting shots up here and there. And in the off season, we'd come in and, 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 you know, Steve Kerr's maybe a half an inch taller than me. And, but what you recognize is even a guy like him, as good of a shooter as he is, hit the quickness as quick as he is. And what you recognize is those guys at that level, even if you're a great shooter, it doesn't matter the size, the first step, the foot speed, the quickness is really, um, it's, it's, it's beyond amazing, you know, because they're so fast to be able to get to certain spots. But it was an incredible time period there. I was there, it was around so many great guys. I learned from Lute Olson, who's one of the greatest ever to do it. God rest his soul. He just recently passed away, but he, he was in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I was part of a team, as I mentioned, in 1997 to – to win the national championship. I was there for a long time. I worked my way up to it. eventually to a full assistant coach. It's there for a while. And then I went to be, become an assistant coach for John Calipari at Memphis. And, uh, and then when coach Calipari left and took the Kentucky job, nobody wanted the job at Memphis. Nobody, cause nobody wanted to follow him because he had won about 95% of his games, his last four years there at Memphis. And, um, uh, of course, I was the last man standing. They had to give it to somebody. And so I got the job there. And I just, you know, was so fortunate. I got lucky, right place, right time. I tell everyone, I, I look, I mean, there was a, I could list you of two million people who are more ready for that job than I was. But uh, I got an opportunity, and I was there for seven years. And, you know, had a, you know, we had a lot of good success, a lot of good wins. And then when the Georgia Tech job opened here in Atlanta, I thought, man, this is a great opportunity and uh, that came about, and to coach in the ACC, and I just completed my sixth year and going into my seventh year next year, so I've loved every second of it. Um, been very fortunate, um, very blessed. I recognize, as I mentioned, that there's so many people well more deserving than myself to be, the, to, to be sitting in this chair, uh, and that's why I don't take it for granted for one second, because I know how fast things can be taken away, and so 
Uh, I've loved every second of my job and um, I really hope I can be sitting in this chair when I'm 75, 80 years old. I know people, I think you're crazy to say that coach, but I do. I love, I literally love every second of this gig. And, and uh, that's kind of my journey to this point. Coach, that's good. I thank you for sharing a little bit of your background. And um, as a Atlanta native, been here my whole life. Uh, we are super excited that you are a part of Georgia Tech and been with us for so long. And, and you wouldn't would not remember this, but I met you about three or four years ago at McEachern High School. Uh, we had a lot of talent come through there, and and I, I met you. I was athletic director over there at the time, and met you in the gym. And uh, one thing I, I realized and didn't really. Um, have never met you before, but just being observation of you is that man. You you build relationships with with your players and the people around you, and and that impressed me. Just kind of seeing you work the floor at a high school game, and um, how did you get so committed to developing those positive relationships, and how has that helped you throughout your career? No, and I and I and I when I saw you on the on the Zoom here, I thought I, I thought you looked familiar, and then you put two and two together because I was at McEachern quite a bit. You are. <laughs> There's been you know a lot of good players going through there, so I, I'm I'm glad we were able to connect again. And yes, sir. Uh, um, and uh, no, I, and I appreciate you saying that. And uh, um, what I would tell you is this: um, I you know I love dealing with people, and and. As much as we deal in athletics, and you know we're all involved in athletics in some way, shape, or form, and um, you know, there, in this day and age, so much is about analytics and this number and that number, and you know, all the stuff. But in the end, we're, this is a people's business. We're still dealing with people, not robots. And in the end, the, the you know, just like life, athletics is hand in hand that goes life and athletics go hand in hand, that it's all about energy and it's all about positive energy and it's all about energy, you know, and, and, and the, and, and people are attracted to energy. And so I think to your point is I really, uh, I have a self-awareness that I think it's critical more so than ever um, of really having great relationships. And part of being, having great relationships is, is always being, um, you know, I think it's important to be kind, be truthful, uh, be upfront, be transparent. Uh, Communication is important. Um, um, uh, I think all those things go hand in hand, and um, and I think that's important because again, we can get lost in numbers or analytics, but in the end, uh, for example, for myself, when you're putting the five players on the basketball floor, the five student athletes, well, you know, they've got to go perform and they've got to produce, and they and they got and you want them to play hard for you, for themselves, for their teammates. For their, for, their, for their organization, for the high school, for the college, whatever it may be. And, and, and all those things go hand in hand. And sometimes we can get lost in the other stuff. But in the end, you know, you're not, I've always said you're not dealing with robots. It's still human beings. And that's where that relationship part of my feeling is, is critical for, for any team, organization, business, whatever it may be, to still be successful is, is those uh, personal relationships. Coach, how important is it to be visible and have success at a, you know, an organization, a athletic program? Last spring, I saw you at a Georgia Tech baseball game. I took my son, my wife. You took time with him, took a picture, didn't rush. You're just always so patient, you know, with, with my family coming this year. They all met your players. They were so patient with us. How important is that to the success of the organization? Yeah, you know what? I think it's I think it's critical to 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 be visible, to be out. 
Um, and, and you know what's interesting? I really believe this. And again, I, I, I have a really good perspective, um, you know, that I understand the chair that I'm sitting in. And um, in a sense that, you know, when you're the head coach or, or you're the leader of a, you know, you're that there comes a lot of responsibilities. But, you know, you also there's a lot of there's a lot of things that come with that as well, too. And it's real interesting. How many times have you seen athletes? And I, and I tell this to our young men all the time. You know, you see these high level athletes. Of, it doesn't matter what sport. And they'll, they'll turn away a, an interview. They'll turn away an autograph. They'll turn away. They don't want to get their picture taken. And you know what? When the lights go out and they're no longer, how many times are they yearning for that, for that attention again? And, um, and, um, and so you don't take it for granted. And that's where I go back to tell to our players, when you have an opportunity because of who you are as, uh, or, or in the position of being part of a basketball or a sports team or organization, to make a difference in, in, in somebody's life through sports by just taking a few minutes of your time, it can go, it can be so powerful and impactful and not to take that for granted. And so I think, again, it all comes down to matter of perspective, matter of attitude. Yes, every, we all have, you know, busy, we're all busy in our lives and we're all, you know, everyone, you know, focused and, and, you're, and you're dedicated, you're disciplined to your craft. Uh, but when you have a chance to inter interact with a, with, a, with another person and can maybe make their day by just a couple minutes, it can go a long way. And, and, and I think that's the power of sports. I think that's the power of understanding of, of keeping things in perspective of, of, of where you're at. That you're, and, and, and also with that, that because of sports, you can make a great impact on people. I would say this for any coach, teacher listening on this, that how many times that have you had a, 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 a young person grow up and they say the person that made the most impact in their life and, and sometimes even more than their mother or father is a coach or a teacher, you know, that maybe it was a comment they made or something that helped them or they believed in them or they gave them the structure to help them provide, you know, a lesson later on in life to be, to be really good at something. And I think that's what's so important is the power of a coach or a person sitting in, in that chair and that that's the enjoyment of the job where you can then pass that knowledge on to your, to your young people who then can make differences to others around the community. So when you think, you know, uh, obviously, you know, when you think football, you know, I always say people, you know, always make the argument the SEC is the toughest conference, you know, year in and year out most of the time. And I'm sure there's people that can argue that. But, um, you know, you think of football. When you think of the ACC, I think of basketball. You know, I just think year in and year out, the ACC has the most competitive conference of basketball that's out there. Take us through just a little bit of last year's ACC championship run and having to play through such a difficult schedule. Yeah, first of all, you're right on that. I mean, the ACC is, I really believe, the best basketball league in the country. I mean, you look from top to bottom, and just historically, uh, of the amount of pros, like in, even in our recruiting, you know, uh, uh, segments when we do, when we're dealing with, you know, with prospects, and you're going through and you look at the list and the amount of pros that have come out of this league and first-round draft picks, it really overshadows every other Power Five league in, in the country. And um, – and uh, just because the amount of pros. And so to win an ACC championship, um, it hadn't been done here in, in, in almost 30 years. 
it's very, very hard to do. And it's more difficult now than it's ever been, especially based on the fact of there's 15 teams in the ACC, you know, different teams, different uh, schools have different admission requirements. And so in Georgia Tech's probably the toughest of any of the 15 teams of, of the uh, ACC. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's just things are different in this day and age than it was maybe even the last time Georgia Tech won the ACC championship, which was 30 years ago. And so it was an incredible accomplishment. And we had some great players who got better through time. You know, we had a guy like Moses Wright, who I call a zero-star recruit. Nobody wanted him. Is, is only, he had two scholarship offers coming out of high school, us and Catawba. Catawba's a Division II school. Two, two offers. Four years later, he was the ACC Player of the Year. When we signed Jose Alvarado, who was a three-star recruit, you know, everyone thought I was crazy to sign Jose. They said he's too small, not tough, you know, not, uh, not quick enough, um, doesn't shoot it well, doesn't do it, but, but the guy was a winner. And, and four years later, he was, he was two-time ACC, all-ACC and, and, and the defensive player of the year, and he's a star for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and so, so, you know, I think for Georgia Tech to be successful is you got to get, you know, in, in my time here, the most success we've had is when we've been getting old and staying old. That is our best way to be successful. What I personally believe in the ACC is get old and stay old. Now, when the years when we've been younger and we've had to rely on younger guys, we, we have, we play, we've been good and we've played well, but we haven't been able to get those wins um, um, to get over the top. And so it's been a, I have a clear-cut vision on us to be successful at Georgia Tech. We're at our best when we're older. And when we win the ACC championship, we were an older team. And But when you do that, you end up then the next year you lose some of those guys because we had an older team and it becomes a cycle a little bit. And so you have to take a step back to go and then to get two steps forward. And that's just part of being at Georgia Tech. Um, uh, we're obviously, I want to win every single year at the highest level. Uh, that's the goal. But the reality of it is, 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 is based on, you know, you know with, with, our, with the pool of recruiting and, and who we're looking at, we are a place that is going to get guys better and develop. And with that comes time, and there's going to be some times where you're going to be really good a couple of years, and then there are going to be times when you're back younger again and having to build back up. And that's just part of the, the nature of the beast of, of, of Georgia Tech. And so um, there's a lot to look forward to that. But that ACC championship, to do it in this league, in this present day, and it hadn't been done over basically 30 years, is, was extremely special. And, if, you know, it, to win the ACC is like winning a national championship because to win that, you, you got to get through the teams you got to get through. is like winning a national championship. Yeah, that's so good. You know, talking about a national championship, you won one in Arizona. And what were the biggest takeaways that you, you took from Coach, Coach Olson and Coach Calipari at, at Memphis? Yeah, you know, interesting. Both guys are in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Coach Olson, Coach Calipari, both in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Both are so different, but so similar. And uh, a great lesson for all coaches out there is, I would tell you that, number one, there's different ways to kind of skin a cat in a sense, is the old saying. I mean, because, you know, you can – everyone has different ways to do things, but, but in the end, as different as Coach Olson and Coach Calipari were in many areas – their similarities were so similar, which made them successful. You know what? Their teams played hard. Yes, do they both have a lot of talent? You're darn right. They're able to recruit pros, and I get it. In college, you're able to recruit. You know, most, most 
high school situations. It's based on where you live in the district. I understand there's some recruiting here and there, but the reality of it is, it's based on who's lives in the, that, that zone that you're in. So you might not have that, that, that luxury of recruiting, but however, um, uh, the similarities are their teams always played hard. Their teams were really good rebounding teams, especially offensive rebounding. And, and, and again, they created extra possessions. Their teams were, you know, you know, as much as you had good players, they were fundamentally sound. And what I would always think about this is, is as, and I, and I remember Steve Kerr telling me this. Steve Kerr, when he's with, you know, during that time with the Bulls, he had one, he was part with Jordan and Scottie Pippen. And, you know, they had one, you know, he was part of three of their, their six championships. And I was asking him one day about the practice. He says, you know, Josh, and this is to your, this is to the, for anyone listening out there about Coach Olson and Coach Cal, what makes everyone so great. Cause it's, it, it, he says, it's interesting. You come to our practice, you think it's elementary school. He goes, you know what we warm up with? Passing. And then we warm up with shooting. And then we move into the next drill and then the next drill. And what was he said is very, very basic. And he says, we just try to be really good at the fundamentals. Yes, we have the best player ever and this and that, but, but as good as even the best player or the best teams at that time period. And you watch, you know, in the, that documentary of that 10 part series, um, as good as they were, if you even ask Steve Carl type, we just did fundamentals every single day. And it was interesting, even in Coach Calipari and Coach Olson, as good as talent as they had, yes, you got to have good players. I get that. But, but you can't skip, no matter how good you are, you can't skip step A, B, and C to get to D. You've got to perfect A before you get to B. And we all as coaches, me included, want to do five, six, ready to move to the next thing but you've got to be really good at two or three things and just hang your hat on that. And that really gives you your best chance of success. Instead of trying to be good at A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, all of a sudden you become average at a bunch. I think the best ones are, are excellent at two or three things. And even if you're lesser talented, but you're really good at whatever you believe in, I've, I've got to be good in these two or three or four things. You're going to hang your hat on that, have conviction on that, and that gives you your best chance to be successful. I really think Coach Olson and Coach Calipari were very much similar in that area. Yeah, that's good advice. And, you know, kind of to build on that as, as you're talking about, you know, fundamentals and, and having that base, as you, whether it's practice every day and, and daily life, um, you know, one of the things that people always, you know, that I talk about and try to harp on too is that, as we're doing those things that we cannot coach effort. You know, we always, I always talk about effort to our players. Um, and I think that also resonates um, to our coaches as well, as, as you're trying to find new and upcoming leaders and coaches and trying to find those individuals with a strong work ethic. Where, where did you develop your work ethic and, and, and your love uh, for the game and, and your drive uh, to continue to do with everything that you're juggling? Yeah, you know what's interesting? I have I have three things that I always talk about in our program. I actually have it on my wall in my office over there. And, I, and the words I use is discipline, driven, and motor. And, and, and I define those three words. Discipline is knowing your job and then doing your job. So I always ask the young man that I'm coaching saying, hey, what's your job? Tell me what's your job on this ball screen coverage. And I says, and he's, okay. So once he tells, okay, you know your job. Now you got to do your job. So discipline is knowing what you've got to do, but then you got to do it. You know, motor, I talk about the word motor, is, is 100% effort 100% of the time. 
Like I'm always, we're always talking about motor, motor, motor. Like you've got to have a high motor. And I think, and that's a hundred percent effort, a hundred percent of the time. And then I use the word drive or driven. And, and to me, that's like, that's about, that's a competitive excellence internally. Like you're driven as you are internally self-motivated. Like if you need outside people to, to, to motivate you, to get you going, look, that's part of our job as coaching is to motivate. But I really believe that can only take you so far. The, the, the high achievers, the teams that are the best or the individuals that are high achievers are individuals that are self-driven, that are highly self-motivated, no matter what, no matter what their, the task is at hand. And so we really talk about those things. And I believe in that. I'm a high motor guy myself. I believe in positive energy. I'm really upbeat. I'm, I'm, I, but, and I always tell everyone, even on my staff, you've got to have a high motor. I'm moving. And, um, and I think we look at that even to our young men as well, too. And I talk about that all the time. Hey, guys, we can be perfect in our strategy and scheme. I can have the greatest strategy and scheme. But if the motor, so-called effort, energy is, is not there, then the strategy and scheme means nothing. Strategy and scheme is always secondary to motor, to effort, to energy. That is first and foremost. And so I tell our guys, and, and we all, we're all as coaches and trying to strive to find that what makes guys, you know, this, the athletes tick, that we can get into play so hard all the time. And that's what makes coaching so unique. You're trying to find that. And, um, and so you've got to then do that pretty much every day within your practices and the way you set your things up in your daily life and everything that what it may be. And so um, I have a high motor. I'm a, I'm a high believer in that. I believe to be a high achiever in whatever it may be. You've got to be highly self-motivated. If you need others to motivate you, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't have your whole life where everyone's got to motivate you all the time. It could happen here or there. You need a pump up, you need a speech or a talk or read something. That's fine and good. But there, but for, for the other 360 days, you've got to find it within you internally, that, that, that drive. And um, not everybody has that, but that's what we're all trying to find. And I think that's the key to find that drive, that passion, that, you know, what gets you going all the time, every time. I think that circles right back around to what you said at the very beginning. It's about relationships, you know, so you got to build those relationships from the very beginning that gets those, you know, players, your coaches, uh, the organization to trust in what you're doing, which kind of drives everything else. Well, no, you're exactly right. And, and, and let me just say, I think the number one thing on relationships, um, you know, I always, I, and I ask this to people all the time. I say, what do you think is the number one thing on relationships? The number one thing that, that attracts people and, 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 and they'll say, you know, the first thing someone will say, well, the physical looks or something. And I go, no, wrong. I, I understand maybe if you're dating somebody that might be an initial thing, but you know what, when you're dealing with athletes or even at dating, whatever it may be, the thing about relationships is honesty and that overweighs everything. And when you're dealing with a student athlete or a player, you know what? Then knowing that the honesty part of building on the relationship, number one is being transparent, the student athlete knowing where they stand, the student athlete knowing their role, the student athlete knowing that if you're the leader and if you say something, and that's why I think it's really careful, you got to be real careful with your words. Because 
when you're coaching or teaching, you might say something, not think it's that big of a deal, but that one individual's listening and you don't, and you say something and you don't follow through on it, you can lose that trust. And that's where I'm really, I'm a big believer in honesty is the number one thing that attracts people. And, and, and when you're in coaching, you have to be so aware of what you say. And a lot of times when we're angry or upset and we all do it, we say some things that come, I call it coming out sideways because you're upset. And then all of a sudden you're thinking, why did I say, and then you got to, cause you might say, Hey, if you don't do this, I'm, I'm not playing you tomorrow. Well, okay, well, player two, three, and four, if you say that to player one, and all of a sudden you say that, and then tomorrow comes you play player one, player two, three, and four, you're going to lose their trust because they're like, well, you're just saying things you can't follow through. And that's why I think it's going to be real aware and self-conscientious on your words. And I, that goes back to the honesty. And when you're in a leadership position, like it or not, you've got to be a, 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 a aware of that. Now, we can all make mistakes. And when we do make a mistake, it's very important as a leader to be transparent and to own up to it immediately. And, and I think all that goes into, as you mentioned, about building on relationships. So you can get them to go through a wall for you, to play hard for you, and to compete at the level that you need them to compete at. Um, because, you know, look, players or student athletes, whomever it may be, can, can sniff through BS. And, um, and, and that's why being, being very authentic, real, transparent, communicative, keeping things simple, I think is the best way to go. Coach, you know, I ran into uh, Coach Bobby Crimmins at, our, at your last home game at Georgia Tech, and we, we were talking, and, and he said, man, I wish I had Coach Pastner's energy. And, man, we just can't thank you enough for, for being on the show. I think that sums it up uh, so well. But I got to ask you this last question because I'm a Tech fan and, and just got to know, what, what can we expect from the Jackets next year? Yeah, you know, great question. And I appreciate everybody. And I would tell anyone listening, you know, feel free to, to email me anytime. Anybody – Anybody knows that they can reach to me anytime, and I get back to everybody. If you reach out to me, call me, text me, email me, and you don't get a, a response back, you send it to the wrong person because I respond to everybody. Um, uh, my email, by the way, is jpastner, and I'm great on email. Um, uh, jpastner, J-P-A-S-T-N-E-R, at athletics, plural, A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S, dot G-A-Tech, dot E-D-U. Or you can go to the Rambling Rec website, Georgia Tech website, and my email's on there. I put my email out. Just you can email me um, no, on, on, on any questions anyone has. But what I think about Georgia Tech next season, I'm really excited. You know, we, had a, we played a lot of young guys this year. And, um, um, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, when you're playing a lot of young guys, uh, great news is – the bad news is, is you got to – it's hard to win in the ACC playing a lot of young guys – because, you know, you're playing against a lot of talent who are older. The good news is all, those young guys got a lot of playing time, and so you should reap the rewards and the benefits going into the next season because of the experience that they would have gotten. Um, so I think our team's going to be good. Uh, look, it's a monster league, and what's interesting, because of the COVID year that happened a couple years ago, everyone got an additional year. There's a lot of guys coming back into ACC. So I think we're going to be good. The issue is the other teams in the league, there's been no drop off. So you, we could, you know, it's one of those times where you could be good and be a really good team, but it might not show in the record of the standings because you, because everyone else is really good. 
because everyone's got an additional year of COVID. And here's the second thing, the NIL. So like, so like, for example, Carolina was in the championship game. Their whole team's back because they decided not to go to the pros. They decided to come back because they were able to get very lucrative NIL opportunities. So instead of them trying for the G League or bouncing around or maybe trying to draft, they were going to come back to get the, you know, that additional year. And, and so a team like that, where in a normal situation, all those guys would have left. Now you got to you, so you're again, you got to have that whole team's coming right back. And so, and there's multiple teams like that in this league. So that's what makes the league awesome. I think we're going to be, we're going to be good. And I'm excited about, about our team. And um, we know we're going to have to be going back. We're going to be really good fundamental because uh, we, we're, we've got to do a great job of taking care of the ball and not turn it over. You can't be giving teams like North Carolina or Duke extra possession. So we've got to be real fundamentally sound all year long. And I will say he is not lying. I, I can't but so many times I've called the basketball office and, and for a question or something and something that somebody else would handle and you'll you'll call me. I'm like, Coach? Like, yeah, that's me. What's going on? Let's get to it. So I, I, I just can't thank you enough for being genuine, being a good role model for, for my son and my daughter and for, for Georgia Tech basketball and the and the entire school is just uh man, it's amazing to have you on. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate we're able to do this. You guys need anything anytime, and and I appreciate all the support as well, too. And go Jackets. Amen. Go Jackets. And if you love this episode, uh, please don't forget to uh, give to our cause. We are well on our way to raising that $10,000 that we've uh, prayed about and thought about, and we can't wait to make it, make it happen. Coach, thanks for your help. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Coach. Thank you.